Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that finished Gundam Build Fighters and decided to reconquer the next real Gundam series. My name is Jeremy. I definitively called a Luke and Leia situation like 10 episodes ago. Hi, I'm Tyler. I was just waiting for us to discover when this happened. My name is Zach. Okay, so was that like super underwhelming to you? Because I knew it going in. Like, I knew it as a definitive fact, and it's just kind of so casually dropped, I feel like. It is, and also, I don't know, there's... I mean, the characters seem to take it much better than you would have initially thought. I am underwhelmed with the reveal because I think because the characters themselves are not shocked. They're like, oh, I'm adopted, I guess. Oh, well. I mean, Bellary already knew he was adopted. Did he? Yeah. Naredo knew. Yeah, Naredo knew he was adopted. I have no idea if Bellary knew he was adopted. Because Bellary says, hey, my mom said she got rid of all the evidence of my father, which to me implies that she was like, oh, no, your father was an asshole. Not I adopted you. I but, just assumed that Bellry told Naredo that he was adopted. Actually, didn't she say he told her? No. She she Be- just says, I heard. And, <laughs> and then she says, hey, keep it between us. Because Naredo is some sort of like rumor monger um, at the Academy? St. Flowers Academy for Girls. Yeah. How is that related to the Capitol Guard Academy? They are attached. Okay. Yeah, I, I just uh, assumed that, Be- uh, that Bellry had probably told Naredo because... Where else should we have, should, would she have found out about it? It wouldn't have been from Bellary's mom, since his mom didn't seem to know who she was when she first showed up. Maybe she got drunk and confessed to the hippo at one <laughs> point, and Dorado was just there, because she seems to just be there all the time. I can read it either way very easily, that Bellary knew or did not know. I mean, at the very least, he seems to be handling it all really fine up until the point where he just kind of cracks. Yeah. And I, I do strongly suspect that a lot of it is supposed to read like that. Like, he's putting on a brave face for most of it, and then it's just like, there's just one last straw that just cracks because Bellary's been under so much stress. I don't read it quite that way. Functionally, these reads are identical, but I think see of it more of him, like, pretending to be okay with it for as long, or being kind of in denial about it, and then finally he can't anymore, and that is when and why he cracks there's a- and lets out the stress. This is also cheating a little bit from uh, information from next episode, where he does explicitly say that he cracked under the weight of the admiration of strangers. Um. <laughs> Which is such, like, I wonder if that's Tomino getting some stuff out. Because that's such a weird thing for a 15-year-old to say, yeah. but maybe not a weird thing for an 80-year-old who made a beloved anime franchise 50 years ago to say. <laughs> well, I mean, at the same time, it would make some sense, because we've already we, we've seen Bellary is... Like, he's very good at what he does, and he's very, you know, he's fairly intelligent, but he also doesn't seem to be somebody who is striving for attention most of the time. So he might just be uncomfortable with un- attention, especially because, you know, his mom is the person who runs the Capitol Tower. So there might have been a situation where previously people tr- were trying to get into her good graces by flattering him. And so it just developed a significant distaste for such things. There is the very Japanese attitude as well as the nail that sticks up gets pounded down, right? You're not supposed to stand out or get attention. So it could also just be a cultural difference. Though I feel like the fantasy of secretly being a princess and having other parents is pretty universal. (laughs) And it's certainly basically this entire show, although the Ray Hamptons sound like assholes, so... Kinda. Well, you see, they're nobility, Tyler. (laughs) also from what we've seen so far like the part that they've talked about has come from people who were very explicitly their enemies so a measure of bias is probably present in that that's fair uh they were they were talking i think like some basic stake setting stuff where the ray huntons were like in favor of a technology monopular monopular monopoly um, while the Durettes were in favor of, like, but not... The du- but the Durettes were the people who were telling people that. That... Who told us, the viewer, that. That would be a very weird thing to offhandedly lie about in one scene, but... Well, it's a... It's about spin, though, right? Just yeah. because it's true doesn't necessarily mean it's evil, because even, like, Bellary and Bellary's mom are also kind of in favor of the technology monopoly, right? Yeah, and he gets slapped about it at yeah. one point, so... But, but Ida is very much not. Yeah. Uh, so, shall we go ahead and get into it? We are watching episode 16, 16. of Gista in G, Bellary's War. You can watch along if, if you know the way. If you, too, have a personal war because you were horny for your sister. And because you did not know <laughs> she was your sister. And when you found out she was your sister, it was very frustrating. Uh, we begin on some idyllic nature stuff. 
There's a lot of good idyllic nature in this series, and I like how different it looks on this colony than it did when we were on Earth, which looks almost overgrown and retaken. And this has much more of like a city park feel. Yeah, th- this big ass uh, door here, though, like I'm not sure of why they're going through the big door, given the fact that there are small doors that they could easily fit through open next to it. They got rusted shut. They're open. They got rusted open. Can't go through them. Oh, we get some exposition about how that time Clem Nick got jumped went. With a guy named Gavin, apparently. I feel like that's not relevant ever again. I feel like Clem... (laughs) Well, we have to resolve it because it did... It would be even weirder if there wasn't this line, right? And then we cut to what Clem Nick is up to now. Yeah, I mean, clearly it seems like these guys do not like the people who are attached to that because they do mention that they can breathe easy for now because clearly those guys are going to be distracted. Yeah, with the whole Amerian situation. Are those people part of your group? Nope. Why did we mention it then? <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to ask that question because obviously these are a part of a group and those guys happen to be there letting them in. Uh, we get some exposition about Toasanga's imports and exports. Which are hemp and sesame. Well, they've now let them ma- uh, let them grow hemp and sesame. On the Ray Hunt and family land. Didn't know when you initially gave him a fake name, you gave him your real name, <laughs> did you, <Ida>? <laughs> <laughs> I love that she was basically like, uh, yeah, my, my name is uh, Queen Elizabeth III. And then, and so that's why um, Delling slapped her, because no, it's not. But yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I love the just nonchalant way how the Fleming, 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 Fleming is just like, oh, yeah, the reason why it, this area is lower than everywhere else is because it used to be underground, but it caved in. And since then, we have built a cool barn. I like that as just very small world building here. It makes this colony feel old and kind of beat up. It also makes me wonder, why would you build an underground area in a colony? But like, I guess there are reasons. Floors are important, right? Cellars also. It it depends on how they were structured, because clearly there's soil and whatnot here. So if it was originally like part of a rock that was just or like an asteroid that was built into the That's colony. That's a good point. Yeah, I forgot true. they're do, on an asteroid. We do know it was a core of an asteroid. You're right. I had forgotten that as well. I assumed it was one of the prefabricated tubes that we get in all other Gundams. Danielle and Bellary have the weird existential realization that they are standing between like a thin layer of ground and just space beneath them, which is kind of fun as they are led into the Ray Hunton estate from the basement. Anyway, Raya takes now to have a good cry on Flammy's shoulder. She goes from just smiling and looking happy <laughs> to crying. Just- Instant. I, I was also going to say that. that. That makes me wonder how much of Raya's happy-go-lucky attitude is just her putting on a face for people. It feels like an awful lot of it is just her putting on a brave face. Kind of like how Bellary seems to do a lot of the time. I forgot that Captain Danielle's name is Danielle Toss. Salad and scrambled eggs. Danielle's at it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, there's some old men here who are like, hey, you guys should get changed. We've got clothes here. And this, this other guy comes and is like, yes, please do. Princess. Prince. <laughs> and I was kind of... <laughs> <laughs> <I> <laughs> <their> do... <laughs> expressions are just seriously like... Wait, are you talking to me? <laughs> like, it may, Ida might, might like just be like, okay, yeah, whatever. Because that's how everybody seems to refer to her. But it does have the, you want to run that by me again, chief? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Danielle's just having sweet, sweet tea. Well, we cut away from there. Apparently, Bellary and Ida go get changed. Into clothes that they just had here for them. Uh-huh. So we find out this faction just wants to stop the Durette Fleet's Operation Reconquista to go back to Earth. And Daniel's like, why are they going back to Earth now? But the guy's like, the general is being too hasty. We're supposed to go back to Earth later. And Ida comes in and makes this dude cry because she looks apparently a lot like her mom. Because, see- yeah, she stole the ancestral denim jacket from 20 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> well, look, denim was big in the space 70s 20 years ago. <laughs> I do like, there's a shot here of this dude, like, sobbing, and Flamme, Raraya, and Naredo are, like, looking at this dude, like, seriously, man? I love how Naredo keeps a consistent fashion, even when she has this casual hoodie, it just kind of looks like everything she's worn all episode, or all series long. I do like Naredo's, also, jacketed look. Jackets were really big in Toasanga <laughs> fashion 20 years ago. The, the current trend is belts. <laughs> so, old man is like, yeah, there are lots of problems on Toasanga, but the problem is these damn Earth people who were born as a generation that thinks war is fun and games. Have I introduced you to humanity before? <laughs> yeah, but we've never had war cheerleaders before. <laughs> That's new. 
I feel like we probably have. Uh, yes, we have. <laughs> Granted, they've mostly been in, you know, fascist countries. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think, I think they were big in, uh, in Nazi Germany had a, had a few. So you're saying, Hitler youth. You're, you're saying the giant tower controlling cu- country that delivers all energy to all other countries is not at least vaguely authoritarian. <laughs> I'm saying it's a possibility. <laughs> no, nah, they're a, a theocracy. It's fine. There's never been a bad one of those. <laughs> Bellary's like, hey, are you talking about my generation? And he's kind of like, oh, it's not like that. And I kind of like this like implication that it's not really this generation's fault. It's their parents' fault. It reminds me about the old joke about like, Hey, all you kids got trophies for participation. It's like, oh yeah, we all banded together and forced you, the adults, to give us those. And you had no choice but to do so. But Ida comes back and says, I I did space piracy with the G-Self. It was fun. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy's like, yeah, that's kind of our bad. We had that unit constructed and got it adopted as a scout for the Durette fleet so we could put secret DNA scanners on it. (laughs) <laughs> so that only the prince and princess of the Ray Hunton family could pilot it. And, and also Raya, Raya. I guess. Uh, Naredo seems to have like a, like kind of a side thing of like, well, the, the Gundam saved our lives a bunch of times, which is technically true, but they've also been kind of put into those situations because, because of it. Yeah. But because she's been on the side where the Gundam has actively been protecting her, it makes a lot of sense that that would be her outlook is that it's protected us, not... It's been so many freaking problems. So Naredo's big on Second Amendment rights. The only way to stop a bad person with a Gundam is to put a good person in a Gundam. I don't necessarily think uh, Naredo has kind of broken it down to that level. She's literally just looking at it on the uh, surface level of bad people tried to attack us. The Gundam saved us. It's like, Yes, but they were attacking you because you had the Gundam. Is that why everyone flies around with their cockpits open? That it's open carry, but for <laughs> Gundams. <laughs> I love the shot of like the two guys bow to Bellry and Ida, and both of them have like this shocked, "What the hell are you people doing?" look on their faces. Yeah, Ida in particular looks like almost a little concerned. Bellry mostly just like shocked. Anyway, these guys start finishing each other's sentences like. I want to show you your place of your birth, the Ray Hunt and Princess and Ray Hunt and Prince. And Raraya, who was busy crying the last time this came up, was like, wait, what? What's going on? Raraya was clearly not paying attention. And Naredo wasn't, I, I feel like Naredo wasn't here. And Bellry kicks it off and is like, no, it's got to be a joke. And then he's like, or maybe not. I feel like it's also a little bit like, because Ida also kind of has that uneasy look at Bellry. It feels kind of like a situation where both of these guys, both of them are like, Okay, so clearly what they said before, we must have misheard. I also wonder, like, the Ray Huntons weren't, like, royalty, right? So... Well, they were nobility of some kind. Yeah, well, I don't... I, I feel they like... definitely have the prince and princess monikers, right? And they definitely had political power. Yeah, I was, I was just wondering if, like, air was more appropriate and, like, this is just... I don't know. I don't know what Tomino was thinking. <laughs> I'm prince and princess sounds cool. Yeah, I, I think mostly I mean, that. There's lots of secret royals and secret sisters in Gundam, right? That goes all the way back to Shar and Sela. This is true. Cut to a decrepit mansion. Which they're slowly trying to undecrept. Uh, while Flame is yelling at them to do things quieter because they'll bother the neighbors. There are neighbors to this thing? I find it really surprising that people wouldn't have just taken up residence here. I guess housing must not be that scarce. That aura does seem like this faction has control over this place, right? So they just might have stopped anyone from doing so. And it's, it might also be like just a level of respect type of thing or yeah, like otherwise, like they got ripped down and pulled, you know, pulled from grace. Basically anybody who goes in there is like anybody who tries to take that building for their own. Like that's bad luck. I was going to say out of reverence for the Huntons. So they see a crib, Bellary asks if he was in there, and the dude is just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm surprised you fell out of it under your head so much. And I'm like, that explains a lot. So they take down the ivy, and the light comes in, and then Ida's like, oh man, I feel like maybe I do remember this place. And then she immediately beelines to a secret drawer. Which it's not really, really a, secret a secret drawer. Secret drawer. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a secret drawer because it's got a handle on it. But she pulls it off and finds some pictures of herself as a baby with her parents and some marbles. Yeah, and she starts crying and be like, oh my god, this is the thing I wanted to remember and couldn't. 
which I kind of like as a moment. But again, it's G. Recco doing that defiance of storytelling thing where Ida's never mentioned having yeah. like something she's yearned for, which you wouldn't, right? If you were a real person, that's a weird thing to bring up. And like, how do you say it without sounding crazy? But it does seem like something maybe a story should seed to have the emotional payoff. I mean, you're not wrong. I'm just trying to think, like, where would, like, who would she be talking to? Naredo, probably. For a situation like that to come up, because while she seems to like Naredo, she doesn't seem to have that kind of bond with Naredo. She could have done it, it in m- a flashback to Cahill. She I, al- <laughs> oh, I was going to that- say maybe Steer. Mm. Steer, Cahill came to mind, too. She could also just tell Roraya, because, like, just as a way to tell someone. Like, sometimes you talk to your dog, right? Not to make that comparison to Mariah, but I feel like it would have similar therapeutic value, but higher because you're talking to a human, but there's still no stakes because they're not a human that can, like, judge you for what you're saying. And she's not going to out you to anybody necessarily. Yeah. Um, I am now imagining playing fetch with Chichumi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean throwing Chichumi so that Mariah will chase it? Yes, or? yes. <laughs> I was actually about to ask basically the same thing. I was just going to phrase it slightly differently. But yeah, so this bothers Ida, but there's not really anything of Bellry here. Like, there there don't seem to be any pictures of baby Bellry. Although this is also pretty baby Ida, so these might have been taken before he, he was born. That, that, yeah, because she is like two, three years older than he is. I also assume that's why she's having, like, memories of this. Like, she has memories of when she was three or four that don't quite fit and that she only kind of remembers. But Bellry was young enough, he doesn't remember any of this. There's a shot here where Bellary is, like, leaning on this thing, and he doesn't seem to have that much, like, he obviously isn't placing that much stakes in here because he doesn't have any memories here. And this dude just looked <laughs> contemptuous of the whole thing at one point. I think it was just a weird animation thing about it. He's also got a weird face compared to most characters in the show. Yeah, because he doesn't, like, have full, fully, like, animated eyes. He's just got, like, the dots. So they show them a picture, which they say, this is the only picture that survived of the Ray Hunton family. And I was like, oh, here, I found some in that secret drawer. <laughs> it they was were just <laughs> in the drawer up top. I vaguely remember always wanting to reach that drawer and not being able to. It's like where mom would put my toys if I misbehaved. <laughs> I mean, That's I why the marbles are in there. I mean, that would actually make a lot of sense. Like, sometimes you have the weird memories connection to stuff. So anyway, we get some exposition about how they were sent to Earth on the orders of Captain Piani Kaluta. A great pianist. To be treated as orphans. And they're like, we thought it would be safest if you didn't know what was going on, but we wanted to find you for reasons. So we sent a Gundam with DNA scanners that would only accept the two of you and whoever piloted it there. And, but it would only dump out these special <laughs> cards for the two of you, which I presume is like the Ray Hunting Crest. Yeah, why, how... Was this ever going to work? I mean, it did. <laughs> These people got so lucky that this happened. Can we, look, that sounds like cinema sins, and we don't talk about them here. <laughs> Everybody knows princes and princesses are naturally attracted to war, and this is the best <laughs> war weapon. No, it's it's uh, the thing is the uh, G self was the part of the system was a magnetic system that just drew Ray Huntins to it. That's why it found Bellary on the on the space elevator at the same time and was close enough to Ida that she was able to try to pilot it. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, there is that scene where Cahill's scanning people and he notices that Bellary also yep. has the Ray Hunt in eyes. Yeah. Um, Never th- going to come up again, Tyler. So, I know. So draw whatever conclusions you would like because they're as good as any I can make. <laughs> I suspect it has more to do with like Ida probably mentioned it to him that it came up with like the Ray Hunt in thing. And then... Hoppa reverse engineered it. Well, he was looking for, like, her uh, ID print, and it also pinged off Bellary's. Yeah, but also... They were at the they were in the same place. Also, it pinged Raraya for reasons. I don't think it pinged Raraya. I don't it, think it did. It does. I would have to go back. I have to double check, but I don't think it pinged Raraya. They, they actually just changed Raraya's eyes. So that was the easiest way to do it, instead of making it so she could pilot it. <laughs> so I was like, hey, because of this random system of yours, we got kind of fucked by it. Like... We're not who we thought we were. It's like, some of it, of course, we can't blame it all on you. Some of it is the way our parents raised us to be war people. But because of the G-Self, my lover died. And also, Bellary murdered him. (laughs) Although I do like that, why I'm making fun of it. She doesn't actually, at this point, is kind of, I think, where she absolves Bellary of guilt for it and is weirdly putting it on these people. Well, I think she's been kind of working her way towards more or less forgiving Bellary for that. Yeah, but it's it's this is the final catalyst, right? Where mm-hmm. it's 
she outright states it. She isn't like, hey, Bellary killed my lover. She's like, my lover died and Bellary murdered someone. <laughs> well, especially like, because she just says it became a killer because I think she's also recognizing that he killed his, his instructor. He's also aced a bunch of dudes at this point, so. But not, not those two people were particularly important to the two of them. And like, it's one thing to kill a bunch of random mooks. Armies intentionally train people to not see the enemy as people. Bellary killed his instructor, someone who I presume he looked up to. He seemed to. And I, I was like, I guess you did it for a reason, but I also want a reason. New eras are not created by old people. We, the youth, must be active. Fade to black. Well, smash cut to the uh, Bellary and Ida on like a patio. Eating at a cafe. Then Bellary starts laughing randomly just so that we can have that in the opening scene. Well, this is the like one shot we haven't seen a close thing to it in the opening. Now we've basically seen every shot in the opening. Although so, I do like how he's making, he's like, well, I guess that explains why Clem Nick couldn't drive it. Fortunately, we're not related to him. <laughs> I feel like that's a guy you want to be your weird cousin. Like, sometimes you need to call Clem Nick to get a job done, and it's good if he, like, owes you some small loyalty. <laughs> so they talk about what they want to do next and what the situation is. And Ida's like, well, the direct fleet wants to make allies with the Megafauna and Salamandra. These people are going to provide information for us because we're the prince and princess. And but before Ida can draw a conclusion, Danielle shows up to be like, hey. With Naredo being like, hey, we're leaving now. Hard cut to space. <laughs> yeah, where a Mac knife is grabbing a container that was just randomly let into space by some incompetent person on the space Gronodon. That mask is chewing out. Uh, Barara decides to do some romantic moon gazing with mask now that they have the opportunity. <laughs> Perfectly in line with the... Uh, I forgot that Manny doesn't actually say anything. They're like looking at the moon. They're like, oh, are we being tricked? But that, Maybe. Isn't that what Manny says? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's and, not related to Barara and, oh, and no. uh, Mask. And now Colonel Kampa is on the space Gronodon, so that they turn around and get him. That would explain why they're getting here so much later. But it is kind of weird that he's here now, and definitely wasn't here before. Yeah, because he yeah. was specifically not here for the sending them tube messages yeah. plan. He was also, like, wasn't he the guy that basically was running the distraction when they initially left Sanct Porto? It is implied we don't actually know that. Yeah. I, I would, you know, I assume that is the case, but it's never explicitly stated. Yeah, someone spread Manovsky particles. Although he could easily just have somebody do that, or just turn the Manovsky knob all the way and then walk out. You got Manovsky in my void space. <laughs> you got void space in my Manovsky. But he's here now and is giving some exposition about Cyrano 5. Mainly that it's named after Cyrano de Bergerac for reasons does this thing look at all like a nose to either of you i can kind of see it but i wouldn't name it after it they say that it's the central meteor so i guess it's the top part is supposed to look like it i'm wondering how far that like is this a metaphor for something else in the show like like if you know the story of Cyrano de bergerac um it Drawing is on a blank it, it is a guy who is extremely eloquent but has a huge nose so he can't like he he basically can't get a date but he's trying to woo this girl, but then he finds this other guy who's trying to woo the same girl, and he's like, I'm so in love with her, let me tell you all the right things to say. Oh, um, that's this guy, okay, yeah, that, I remember the story. Yeah, that's Cyrano de Bergerac, and I'm wondering if, like, someone here is a mouthpiece for someone else I can weirdly lay that on it. Like, now that you spell it out, I don't know if it's intentional, but I do see a parallel. Okay. To something I'm that's coming. I'm I'm interested to see what it is. So yeah, I wonder if you'll even pick it up, like even if you're actively thinking on it, because like it's kind of a weird sideways glance. But like this could be the Cyrano to another faction we haven't met yet in a weird way. That, no, actually, it, no, it would kind of be the reverse though. I guess actually, reverse Cyrano. Yeah, like well, this would be the one being fed the the lines. Gotcha. Kampa points out that you know even if they give a safe passage into the port, we have to make sure we. Uh, don't ever let down our guard because you can't trust those shifty space noids. Yeah, cut from a shifty space noid to Barara and Mask, and Barara like bonks her helmet up against Mask so that they can non radio talk. And she's like, "Hey, do you trust Colonel Kampa?" And Mask is like, "If I did not trust him, I would not come to the fucking moon with him." <laughs> <laughs> with a giant space fleet surrounding the Capitol Tower, Manny calls on the radio and is like, "Hey, Mask, I heard that we're gonna surrender." But Master's like, hey, don't use the radio. They might be intercepting our transmissions. And I mean, he, like, 
jumps physically down on top of her via gravity so they can have a nice space cuddle. And being like, if we want to take their military power back with us, we need to become their temporary allies. Well, I mean, because he has to make contact with Manny so that it, the, their voices will translate. And he's like, Manny, take the utmost caution. Shove. And Barara's like, that's my competition, huh? <laughs> Bro, I do love that we cut up to where she was on top of the mobile suit, like so high above her in the smug position. And then she turns and sees the nose and then laughs out loud without opening her mouth. I'm not sure if that was supposed to be an internal monologue of the laugh or what. Or there was just a miscommunication between the animator and the voice actor. You see, she's only seen Manny with short hair, so Barra was like, oh, I'm way hotter than she could ever be. She would be much more intimidated if she'd seen long-haired Manny. <laughs> anyway, we don't get an eye catch. It doesn't have long-haired Manny. Hey, Snow Low, I'm here from Colorado, where it's just very snowy. It's... Honestly, it happens around this time every single year. We get our first big snowstorm. I'm here for it. It's great. Today's a mulled wine day. We'll see whether or not you can tell that more over the course of this mid-spot. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone, to episode 16 of our recap of Wrecking Geese and G. This is one that we all enjoy pretty well, and I think the series actually maintains a pretty consistent pace from here on. It's... Good is not maybe the right word for it, but it's definitely just better overall from here on out. There are more factions than you can shake a stick at. There's some political intrigue. There are excellent fights. There are angsty teenagers. It's almost like a Gundam series. So anyway, here's an awkward segue to our Patreon.com slash last podcast, where you can get this and several other episodes that are already up there early, in addition to all of our bonus content from here until the end of time. But this brings me to this week's topic for discord and or email i've been spending a lot of my free time just practicing random songs on the guitar and i want to know if like me you have a hobby that you actually kind of suck at uh but you do anyway <laughs> um i don't know how common that is uh but i want it to be more common i think people should invest time in hobbies just for the sake of doing the thing that they like doing even if you can never make it a particularly useful skill uh so let me know if you have any of those i'm curious Okay, anyway, uh, let's get back to Bararangst. We return to a nice long establishing shot of Cyrano 5. What were Cyrano's 1 through 4? His ears and eyes. I, I like to think they jammed five asteroids together and Cyrano 5 was the largest one, so. Okay, that's fair. I'll buy that. So it's basically, there's, there's a briefing going on on the Megafauna's bridge about what's going on. They have invited what I'm going to call the Ray Hunt faction onto the bridge. Flammy, Old Man, and Medium Man. <laughs> do they even get names? They do, but God, gun to my head, could not. <laughs> Steven? She? <laughs> Steven? <laughs> I don't think we find out at least one of their names until the next episode. There's an ironic line, we'll find out why it's ironic next episode, where the guys in the Ray Hunt faction are like, I guess some guy named Colonel Compa Reseda is asking for permission. And the other guy's like, oh, do you know him? He's like, of course not. How would I know some random Earth colonel? And Narrator's like, oh, God, they brought Mask, and it's going to be a thing. <laughs> That's a problem. It always is whenever they show up. But Cyrano 5 deploys some mobile suits to have a look. And apparently a lot of people are really excited to greet the Garandin. Well, and the impression I get is that, like, the government of Cyrano 5 has gone out to do that. This, like, the di diplomatic wing, for lack of better word, are the ones who go out to greet them rather than the direct fleet. And one of them uh, clips Mick Jack's Hecate as it's standing on the Salamandra. Because the Ga Space Granadon and the Salamandra are in the same port, which is likely to cause an incident. Also here, Colonel Mashnir and Rockpoy. Well, uh, the Space Granadon is going to land in the same port that the Salamandra is currently in. They're not here yet. We get more internal politics because Mashnir is like, yeah, the Gavin team is in charge here, so we can't do anything. Um, Rock Pie is not the smartest when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, th this is where I made the note that he is just a big himbo. And that <laughs> yeah, and that's what Mashner's into. Look, Mashner's a colonel. She gets the, part of the benefit package when you're promoted to colonel is one himbo slash bimbo, your choice. <laughs> if you make it to general, you get one of each. I don't know. I think Rock Pie loses out to, uh, 
Colossar? Colossar. Oh, yeah, for sure. But he was born in a different timeline hundreds of years ago. Sorry, sorry. Not not Colossar. Mannequin. Mannequin. Our boy Mannequin. (laughs) (laughs) I love Mick Jack's... Mick Jack seems so bored just hanging around here. And I love her sliding down the rail to catch up to Clem Nick. And she's like, hey, aren't you worried they're going to shoot down the space Gronadon? And Clem Nick's like, nah, Colonel Reseda is too important a character to randomly get shot down in space. <laughs> How would the, the series would have gone very differently if that had just happened? And Mick Jack points out, like, what happens if they form an alliance and we don't? <laughs> I love Mick, I love Clem Nick's like, then we'll all be friends. <laughs> And Mick Jack's like, hey, they started treating us real different when they found out you were the president's son. And there's where Clem Nick's like, yeah, the government and the military have different circumstances, and we're able to manipulate that. And Mick Jack's like, hey, I bet your plan is to seize control of the fleet before the Capitol Army does, and then go back to Earth and take over the government from your dumb dad, President Zucchini. And Clem Nick is like, that's good pillow talk. Save it for later. (laughs) (laughs) Not appropriate here in the middle of the space hangar. hangar. Uh, cut to Bellary apparently deciding he's going to go fuck up a bitch. <laughs> Just randomly. He was like, yeah, we have to go ask the Granadon, hey, what are you doing here? Before they send guys out to fight us. And Hop is like, that is a terrible plan. So Bellary shoves aside his catwalk. Ida, still trapped in her run cycle from like 10 episodes ago, is like, hey, Bellary, maybe take a chill pill. But he does not. And just leaves out the airlock. <laughs> and Ida's like, Adam, why didn't you stop him? And my immediate thought was, once he was in it, what the fuck was he going to do to stop the Gundam? I was going to say, do I look like a man with invisible hands? <laughs> but he, he replies, you know, I I didn't think he would actually leave. So Bellary's off to pick a fight. But first he thinks about how weird it is that, like, there's a ceiling above him, and above that is just, like, a whole world of forests and, like, farmland and houses. And, and that's a crib. Par- <laughs> and this a- is where he was... This is technically his homeland because this is where he was born. And, man... The longer he talks about this, the angrier he looks. Like, the whole time. And then it's like, fucking hell, why is the Gronodon here? Like, I'm I'm dealing with some severe shit here. Why is he here, too? Freaking mask. Anyway, G-Self, bring me a dumb map. Surely you have a map of where you were built. Okay, you know, on the map, I can see the nose thing more. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, if I strain, I can kind of see it. It looks more like a nose than a lot of things named after other things, I feel like. It looks way more like a nose than the Washington Monument looks like George Washington. What, you don't see it? <laughs> I assume you saw that joke way back when about the Clinton Monument and it's just a taller Washington Monument. <laughs> no. I think right. that was a family guy joke. <laughs> I like how Bellary is like, oh, if it's a ship directly commanded by Colonel Reseda, then it makes perfect sense for it to be here. And then he's like, wait a minute. What it does? <laughs> wait a minute. What I said seems like something that would be right, but it doesn't make any sense. Bellary is becoming aware of G-Reco. <laughs> <laughs> he's becoming self-aware. He may just break the fourth wall. That's, that's how he's a new type. He's got access to the script. <laughs> so the mobile suits from the Gavin team that went out to greet the space Gronadon realize the YG-111 is heading out. And they're like, what's it doing here? And they're like, like, that's a Raraya, right? Let's go talk to her. Let's go find out what she's doing here. Like, because she's supposed to be scouting things on Earth, <laughs> which is, you know, a little ways away. Speaking of Raraya, we cut to her in the hangar. Who's like, why did you send out Bellary alone? And Ida's like, nobody sent him out. He just left. Curbs, you go get him. You're like his teacher. And I love how Curbs is just like, that's what I was going to do. And then Ringo was there for some reason. To explain some internal politics. And he's like, yeah, all the guys who were stuck here hate the ones in the fleet who got to go out. That's why we have to protect Raraya, and I have to put my arm around her like we're at a movie theater. Raraya looks like so confused by this whole thing. And Curbs is like, yeah, you're being a little handsy there, dude. But Ida has already left because that's her class ability. And so Roy is like, I'm taking the moron. <laughs> and by that, I don't mean Ringo. But then we uh, see the all the mobile suits hailing Bellary as Raya. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't need to give you any notice. And like, judging from your lack of response, the only possible conclusion is you have been hijacked by an Earthnoid and are here as a spy. We must destroy you. And Bellary's like... Hey, I was technically born... Okay, I guess if I had to put myself in a camp, it would probably be Earthnoid. But I was born here. I'm a Spacenoid. And then he gets netted. But he keeps, like, the beam rifle clear. It's, it's of course, an electro net, because it's Gundam. So he fires his shield Vulcans that I guess he has to blow up one of the... (laughs) That is the best way to describe it, that I guess he has. (laughs) We've never used them before. 
And then, like, even tied up, he basically just wrecks all of these mobile suits. Yeah, with his beam rifle out of the net, like Zack said. And then he draws both his beam sabers to cut his way out while cutting through these mobile suits. There's a real cool shot of him pulling one out, even though it's in the arm with a shield that I like a lot. I like the shot of the shield, like, just kind of attached to the upper yeah. arm as he's got the, the sword out. That's a thing you see in Gundam sometimes, but not enough. So it's really cool. And Bellar's like, hey, I'm not going to kill any of you, but if you try that shit again, I might. And he is so, like, <laughs> busted up about this whole thing. And Gavin's like, hey, I remember in Space History 101, weren't there, like, Gundams or something? I think we should get out of here. <laughs> anyway, the rest of the Megafauna crew shows up to be like, hey, man, what's up? Curbs is like, you fucked that guy up. Uh, how? And Bellar's like, hey, I didn't do any murders. I promise I did not do any murders. And I was like, yeah, okay, good job. We, we know. <laughs> it's fine. But Rarai is like, hey, you shouldn't show Toasanga how cool the Gundam is. It's going to cause a problem. I do like how Curbs immediately is like, don't, so don't do anything else. We're just going to tow you back. And I guess Luan is here too. And Rariah <laughs> takes a moment to be like, hey, you're okay, right, Bellary? And he has to take a moment before he answers. And even though he says, I'm fine. He does not seem fine. He's so unfine that we get internal monologue of him being frustrated about where his home is. Who am I? I wish I could go laugh at my mom's hippo. <laughs> Mick Jack is dancing inside the port and sharing a water bottle with Clem Nick. I literally thought that was a milkshake when I watched this. <laughs> I did not realize that was a water bottle. I mean, that's how all their water bottles look. So. Yep. We get a little bit of additional, like, uh, background exposition. Story exposition type of things. Like, there are a bunch of apparently engineers that have illegally managed to leave the Cyrano 5 and emigrate to Earth. I mean, we've had that said before, right? That's speculation. That's what Toasanga thinks. That's how they assume Earth made all these cool mobile suits and ships. So really, it's just the rumors we get from the point of view of the Toasangans. Mm -hmm. So the president of Cyrano 5 is like, hey, the cool ship with the photon batteries is about to leave. So we have to. And then he gets interrupted. And he's like, yep. Uh, anyway, you're our honored guest. Please let us know if you need anything. And Mask is like, hey, what happened to the Megafauna? We hate, I mean, would love to hang out with them. <laughs> and one of the other guys is like, they're just waiting to dock because the Salamander's coming in now. And it's like, isn't the Salamander like right there? And the Megafauna is... He's a bad like, liar. They, they obviously saw that the Megafauna wasn't sitting around outside. It's not exactly a busy port. Uh, Hoppe complains he needs to fix the G-Cell for no reason. And the Ray Hunted faction volunteers to help. Because apparently they're experts in building the Gundam that well, they, they built. <laughs> Well, did they build it or did they I, hire some dudes? I don't know. I think the, the implication is definitely they built it, right? So like, I guess hired some dudes as a faction, they built it. But there are only two or three characters in this faction, Tyler, so they must have built it. And so we get uh, Bellary leaving like the refresher shower thing and was like, what's wrong with me thinking I'm better than Clem Nick? And Ida's like, nobody said you didn't, but <laughs> you have a better mobile suit. And narrator's like, yeah, but you just last episode, you were talking about how you, the better mobile suit needs a cool pilot to use all its cool features. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but did we like need to fight that battle for no reason? And Bellary's like, I nearly got microwaved. Bellary's like, yeah, have you ever met a cop from another who thinks you're a foreigner? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> I needed to do that. I love how like the Ray Hunt faction comes into the pilot ready room, and Bellary's <laughs> like, it's because of these fuckers fall. <laughs> That's why it's such a shit liquor this entire time. The anti-war movement is never going to work. Like, Bellary has completely and totally given up on the optimistic outlook on this whole thing. <laughs> but the Ray Hunt and family is like, hey, but this is like where we have to prepare the Kashiba Mikoshi. It's a super busy time. And also some friggin' aliens just showed up. Like three battleships of aliens showed up. That's pretty unprecedented. If it's going to happen, it's got to happen now. But Bellary is like, in space, you just focus on surviving. That's the rule of the Capitol Guard. And the writer's point out, like, hey, this is kind of all your fault. And Bellary's like, well, yeah, you tell me that girl I have a crush on is my sister. Yeah, I'm going to go a little crazy. You want to get nuts? <laughs> then he storms out, puts on the visor, which I actually really like. And then Blake puts it back up because he's just fidgeting with it. I mean, it makes a little bit of sense because he's clearly not in the best headspace as he's looking at the pretty banged up G-Self. And he basically just mumbles to himself, stupid Ray Huntins. <laughs> That made me look bad. So yeah, I the reveal is super weird to me, how casual it is and how they're just like, okay, I guess, and how we don't really get an immediate reaction to it. But I do like Bellary's like, 
pretending to be okay with it and then breaking down at the end. I think that works pretty well as a reason for there to be action and for this show to weirdly do some character stuff, right? It's the same subtle character stuff that we've been talking about how it does. There's never a moment where Bellary like gets angry. It's all slow burn, but I think it works a lot better than usual. I agree. Like the whole like, yeah, you're brother and sister and you're these people and them being like, okay, cool. Yeah, neat. And then Bellary just kind of the longer he stews on that, the more he's like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> like, what the hell? You, you guys basically dropped this huge bomb on me. And what the hell am I supposed to do with this information? And if you think about it, like, Bellary is like 15 or 16, something like that, was the most promising cadet in the Capitol Guard. Suddenly there's a Capitol Army. Suddenly he's in space. Suddenly the girl he has a crush on is his sister. Suddenly he's on a big nose. <laughs> Suddenly he's the heir to this, like, really important family. Like, it's been a bad, like, well, maybe not bad. It's been a lot the last, like, month for him. And he's done a pretty good job of remaining relatively upbeat. And then just, mm. like, obviously he just loses it. Like, it's finally too much. The, the space on showing up while this whole thing is going on. I, I really like the way they went ahead and did that. So I think this episode's pretty good, although as somebody who knew what that twist was coming, the reveal, like, I was like, well, okay, that's how, we're just saying it, and that's kind of all it is? Okay. I was assuming that it was going to be given more, like, gravity. Yeah. But instead they just show up and they're like, you're the prince and princess. Okay? I do like that Ida initially took it more serious. I was going to say it worse, but that's not, she didn't take it badly, she just, like, it affected her more. It reminds me a little bit of one of the Malazan books that I did read. When uh, Spoilers for anybody who's looking to read those. When Whiskey Jack died in like the second book, it's just like a paragraph. It's not treated like any special thing. It just happens. Yep. And then people move along. I mean, obviously it comes up later in the book. But like just the nonchalance it's treated with. Where it's like, this is supposed to be some big reveal for your characters, and they don't seem to care. They got other shit going on. And I think that's true here, too, is they got other shit going on. And like, it even, Ida kind of takes it as reinforcing the other shit she already had going on, right? Because mm -hmm. she's already in kind of a soul-searchy, what am I supposed to do, sort of space. And this just makes her, like, double down on that, kind of. So I, I like this one. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I left this one... Feeling relatively positive, but I think I'm going to have a terrible time actually choosing a high point. Well, now it's time to do that, Tyler. Um, well, I, I think it's going to be specifically the end scene um, of Bellary storming out of the ready room and into the hangar. And like, oh, no, that's a really good character moment for him. And it's like kind of the only we don't see a lot of emotional highs from Bellary. And I actually like that one a lot. Zach, I think my high point might be basically before that. When he's just finished beating the snot out of the guys that tried to electrocute him and like he takes his glove off and I, it seemed like he's trying to get his hand under like he's shaking a little bit and he, you know, he, he has that hesitation before he answers Variah like, yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about it the same way you would. I, I mean, I do it all the time. What's wrong? I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Don't bother me. Like he's got that kind of attitude going on. And I really I, I really like that because we are seeing something out of Bellary that isn't just. Oh, yeah, it's perfectly great. Yay. I think I'm going to go with, like, the Clem Nick, Mick Jack, like, conspiracy talk. Because that, like, totally makes sense and has already been hinted at and, like, tells us what Clem Nick is doing and where his allegiances lie and that he is yet another sub-faction, which is already how Ida is treating him. But, like, it's so unsubtle to everyone else that, like, everyone just knows. Well, like, I don't think Ida thinks he's going to go take over the government. That's but, but I do think she's like, yeah, I can't. He's up to something, though. He's shiftier than Colonel Compact. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> I, I, he's like too shifty. Like he's too flamboyant to be shiftier, right? He's like, I'm doing machinations. Be careful. Everyone's like, thank you, Clem, for warning us. We did not need it. <laughs> you have a low point, Tyler. Facetiously, I'm going to say Chekhov's marbles. Huh. Um, but I don't know. I'm actually having a hard time. Like, I'm thinking of like a lot of the early scenes in the episode and like, I actually like most of them. Oh, no. Come back to me. Zach? I'll see if I come up with something. Oh no, Ida's been trapped in her run animation again. <laughs> the fact that they reused that, and it's not even subtle. To be fair, I did not notice it before this watch. Oh, you didn't? I noticed it immediately. Granted, they did add Luan's grimoire in there, but and it wasn't nearly as long, but it was just the same animation recycled. 
I'm going to go with it taking 13 episodes after he died for us to find out what Cahill and Ida's relationship was. <laughs> and she just says it casually. It was not like it was not a secret. Maybe it wasn't anybody on the megafauna. <laughs> I think I'm actually going to go with um, just the megafauna crew casually floating out to Belry after he's had a fight with all the Zacks. I don't know. It look, One, the animation looks really awkward. And two, did they all leave at the same Did they group up and just like sit around and wait for each other while... <laughs> It, it wouldn't be as weird if we didn't see Ida specifically leave before everybody else, right? Yeah. Like, she leaves significantly earlier than anybody else does. And then proceeds not to do anything. I mean, that's just Ida in this series. Have you been watching it? Yeah, which is why it's a low point. Do you have an MVP, Tyler? Uh, I think it's actually got to be Belry for me for, like, the just the strong emotional performance this episode. Runner-up was going to be Ida for me, but... Zach? Gonna give it to Ida for basically the same reason. Like, she also has a lot of the strong emotional stuff. Like, not the same, like, Bell, you know, obviously Bellary has the go out and go fight, but she has the, like, hey, you, it's all your guys' fault, and she goes in and kind of talks about that and has the moment in the actual, like, nursery is not the right word, but, like, the study area when they go in there. So, yeah, there's a crib. I assume it's a nursery. I don't know. Also, we give it to Bellary all the time, so... I know. This I, one to Ida. I, I did feel like he earned it this episode, though. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Bellary for the same reason. Because, like, again, we gave it to him a lot early by default, but I feel like you should still give it to him when he actually earns it. And he's the emotional carry of the episode. Like we said, he, he is literally the action driver. Him being dumb is what causes the action scene to happen. And then he's pretty cool in it. And we're getting into his head, which is what we've been wanting this entire time. I do really like the fact that he's like, no, I couldn't have possibly hurt the pilot. Yeah, and the fact that he's so adamant about it and everyone's like, okay, no one was like, asking. No one but... blamed you for that. All right, do we want to add some stuff to our mobile suit list as Toasanga keeps having more and more mobile suits? Sure. Oh boy, we're going to get another one. I know. So... We're going to get two more, I think. Well, we get two more new mobile suits next. Yeah, I guess they're both Toasangan too. I don't consider one Toasangan because it's not piloted by a Toasangan, but it's, it was designed by them. It's piloted by a Mecha Bunny Girl. <laughs> do we want to put the... Moran on because the Zack seems so similar to it. It feels weird to not have it. And this is technically the last time Raya pilots the Moran, although the Moran will stick around. Sure, we can use the Moran. How do we think it compels to the El Moran, which I think has a way better color scheme and a shoulder cannon, so I think it's a little better, but they're obviously super similar. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like the El Moran better. I think I would agree with that. How do we think it compares to the Wyndham? I think the Wyndham's a little bit better. I think but... I prefer the Wyndham. I prefer like the the generalized like Gundam head over the weird bug like head. bug looking head that the Moron has. Uh, what about the Elf Ball? Huh. The Elf Ball's weird in a way the, that I like. The Elf Ball is very weird looking. So is the Moron, but I like the weirdness of the Moron more because, like we talked about, it gives the Toa Song in mobile suits a distinct feel. Like you can immediately recognize what faction they belong to, and I like that about them. That is fair. I think I am going to give it to the Elf Bowl personally, uh, so that means it's up to Zach. I think I'm going to give it to the Moron. How do we think it compares to the Montero? Which is, like, its color scheme is better. Even, like, the all gray, I think the contrasts better than the uh, all blue. On blue on the Montero. I, 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 think I, prefer the, I think I prefer the Montero to the Moron because, again, I prefer, like, obviously the head. I like the, like, t-bar wings that the uh montero has it's got javelins uh the javelin is a cool weapon and it just like the framing and all that it looks better to me whereas the moron is just like hey look it's a bug get it out of the way of the windshield i i think i'm gonna have to give it to the montero mostly on its armament which i think is cooler last question better or worse than the elf bullock I kind of think worse, actually. The Elf Bullock has all of the guns shooting off at once and the bigger the bigger field than the Elf Bull. And also, I'd like to break them up, if I'm being honest. But Yeah, there's that. Um, but that shouldn't influence us too much, I hope. Uh, but I, I already liked the Elf Bull better, um, and the Elf Bullock is just a slightly better one, so or a slightly better version of it. So you're putting the Moron in between the two? Yep. And Jeremy's putting it in between the two? Yep. So I don't even have to make a choice. Yep. All right. Zach, how much? How many bonus points did the Zachs get for being named that? They're spelled with a K. I mean, they're getting zero bonus points for being named after me, because while I am fucking amazing, these things are only okay. Do we think they're better than the Morin? I kind of like, they like they look like a better Morin. I, I agree. I think I would agree with that, though. But I kind of don't like them as much as the El Morin. 
they've got like the Zaku style shoulder shield, and that's a cool thing. And I like the like big quad wings they have behind them. I think I kind of prefer them because of that quad wing, but I'm really torn because I like the Elmoran's like shoulder cannon, and these things lack that. I also like the Elmoran's paint scheme better, which is only worth so many points, but that's kind of what tips me for that. Tyler, your, your um, I actually like the Zach's paint scheme better. Um, think I like the Zack slightly better, uh, so I think that's the way I'm going to go. How do we think it compares to the Wuxia? I think I prefer the Wuxia. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion. Uh, do, do you have any? I think I also prefer the Wuxia, but it's okay. not strong, so I was going to wait to see if you made a argument I, I was going to form an opinion if I needed to. So, How do we think it compares to the Dom Trooper? The Destiny Dom. I, I am the I Dom stand, so, so okay. How do we think it compares to the Ash, which has kind of a similar color scheme? Those are the aquatic mobile suits that tried to shoot Lacus oh, Klein. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it took me a second to remember what those were called as well. Yeah, definitely the Zach. Zax is is a singular one. A Zax. Yes, I, a singular one is a Zax. <laughs> I think I would probably put the Zax above the Ash. What instrument do they play? A Zaxophone. So the Zax goes at number seventy-two, above the Ash and below the Dom Trooper. That was so bad, it was actually not too bad, Tyler. <laughs> Anything else to do this episode? I think that's a, I think that's about it. No, I'm glad we're, we're, we're starting to get yet another political faction, and I feel like things are maybe going to start to come together soon. I'm kind of excited that there might actually be like a culmination to this series, which has been so aimless so far. Okay, Gena Robochi at the end of the series, the, the writer of Madoka Magica, one of my favorite writers of all times at the end said he stood up and cheered and said they did it <laughs> i don't agree with him <laughs> but it does culminate into something i can't deny that that's fair well we'll have to so, decide later we will be back next week with episode 17 ida's decision i find it very interesting and i don't know if i'd made this observation even if i wasn't looking at the episodes right next to each other that we have belry's war followed by ida's decision although i don't know I that- noticed that when when they came on that, that's what the two episodes we were doing were. Spoilers, I don't know that she really decides anything next episode. I think so. she kind of does. She does she, come to a decision. She makes a decision, but in the same way she decided, let's go to Toasanga. You won't understand the story unless you watch the episode and listen to our podcast on it. And check the wiki page for details. <laughs> and if you have any questions after that, you can ask us on Discord. 